Our first reading this morning is from Paul's letter to the Galatian church, chapter 3. It'll be found on page 1170. Brothers and sisters, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established. So it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. What I mean is this, the law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it, is, then it no longer depends on the promise. But God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. Why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, employs more than one party. But God is one. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But Scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin, so that what was promised, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. The second reading is taken from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, beginning at verse 30, which can be found on page 1009 of the Church Bibles. The apostles gathered round Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. 
Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognised them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. This is the word of the Lord. Am I on? We've got excellent. Well, good morning, St. Smithens. Lovely to, um, to be with you. I felt so welcome when that little girl at the front had a T-shirt on saying, I love Cape Town. <laughs> yeah, I do as well. So great to be here and, uh, and lovely to, to share in the service. Thanks, uh, Nicola, for your um, welcome. Uh, as Nick explained, I'm the rector of St. John's Weinberg, which is a, actually a cluster of six churches in, in the southern suburbs of, of Weinberg. We've had the pleasure of having Brenda come and, uh, and be a part of our community for a good uh, number of months and years, and, uh, and then to have a visit from some of you um, uh, earlier this year. And uh, I, as Nick explained, I'm chairman of the, the board of the warehouse, and few bits of information about that. We're seeking to address issues of poverty and injustice and, uh, and to get the church connected um, across the divides. There are so many divides that just come up all over the place. And so it's really trying to, to see how do we work the synergies? How, do, how, do, how can we be, as, as Paul says in this letter, one in Christ um, and feel with each other and strengthen each other and enrich each other? Uh, and so, fantastic to be here uh, with you, and lovely to hear from Alison and Paul. Great. This is a bit of an African theme today for you guys, so here we are. But, but I'm conscious that I'm preaching to you in your context, and it's been quite a, it's been quite a, a, tur- a, tumult, a tumultuous time for you um, in, in the UK, and we're very conscious of that. Um, you know, you've been, you've been booted out of the European Football Cup. <laughs> and you've, you've chosen to leave Europe. And uh, Roy Hodgson has resigned. And Jeremy Corbyn hasn't. <laughs> and David Cameron says he will. And, uh, and so there's, there's quite a lot of uncertainty around uh, about you know, where are things going um, here in, in the UK. And uh, I was speaking to a colleague of mine who's from England, and I said to him, Dave, tell me, you know, what message should I, I bring when I, you know, speak to an English congregation in Bath on Sunday morning? And, and he said to me, Duncan, just give them a big hug. So uh, if you want to line up afterwards, <laughs> we'll do hugs. And I'm sure Paul and Alison will, will join me. We'll give you some good African hugs just to say you are loved and you are held in prayer um, at, this, at this time. 
and I hope that you can find each other as well, and, uh, and that there'll be, there will be hugs and love rather than um, barbs being thrown around and division being sown. I want to, uh, I want to uh, go with you this morning into that gospel reading, um, which was just the introduction to, to, to uh, uh, an amazing event that follows, which is the feeding of the 5,000. And so if you've got Bibles uh, open uh, with you, let's, let's, let's go back to that passage to Mark chapter 6, um, where, where Jesus has, he, he's in the task of growing disciples. He's, he's trying to grow people to be followers. And he's trying to build their faith. And, and he has demonstrated various things. There's been healings, there's been uh, teaching there has been deliverance of demons, there's even been a raising from the dead, and then he sends them out, he says, okay, you guys go and do it now, you watch, now go and do it, and they come back, and he says, okay, let's go away for a little time to debrief, to like process what you've been learning, and they're interrupted, because the crowds follow them, and, and intrude in the space that, that he really wanted with them. And, and life is like that, isn't it? You know, we, we have plans and we, we want to spend time doing this or that, but then life happens and stuff intrudes. And, and Jesus is teaching them on the hop. He's teaching them in the middle of life about how do you grow faith. That's what's going on here. And, uh, and so we, we pick up the story at, at verse 35. By this time, it was late in the day. And so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. You know, so often when, when, we, when we face a, a challenge, we want to do something, we're in the wrong place and it's the wrong time. This is a remote place, this is not the right place, and, and it's very late, it's too late, this is not the right time. And, and, and so they say to Jesus, send the people away. When we, when we are confronted with a big issue, with, with, with something that seems to overwhelm us, and it doesn't matter what it is, it may be political leadership in the country, it may be poverty that we're grappling with, it may be injustice or corruption or, or a crisis you know, much more local within our families, within our community, we, and, and we think that, that we've sort of been called upon to respond and we say, this is too late, it's the wrong time, we're in the wrong place. And Jesus doesn't go with that. He doesn't go with that at all. And, and our tendency is to want to do what the disciples did. They, they say to Jesus in, 30, in verse 36, send the people away so they can go to the countryside and buy themselves something to eat. It's their problem. Send them away and let them sort it out. How can I shift this problem onto somebody else's entry. I don't want it. I, you know, this is inconvenient, wrong time, it's too late, wrong place. Um, let's dump it on somebody else. You know, let the political leaders sort it out. You know, let the parliamentarians sort it out. Or, you know, let, let the bishop sort it out. Um, let somebody else deal with it. And Jesus responds and he says to them in verse 37, 
you give them something to eat. No passing the buck here. You give them something to eat. Now, isn't this, isn't this classic God, that God puts us into situations which are beyond us, situations where we actually can't address it in our own strength. Daniel in the lion's den. This is, this is a, a situation which is beyond him. The, the, the Israelites coming, uh, you know, up against Jericho, and the walls of Jericho, that must have looked huge. Um, Jonah and, and the whale, you know, time and time again, throughout Scripture, we, we read about God putting people into places where it was literally mission impossible. There just wasn't an obvious way, there wasn't a way to do this. Now, now what's going on here? I believe that what Jesus is trying to do is to treat his disciples and to teach us about the supernatural inbreaking of God into our lives. And when we face situations that, that are impossible, that are beyond us, that's when we are pushed into a place of having to rely on the supernatural inbreaking of God the Holy Spirit. That's when we push to a place of saying, Spirit fall, Spirit fall because basically we haven't any other option. And that's where God does stuff. And that's what we see happening here. So we, we, we're in Mark chapter 6, and what, what's the disciples' response when he says, you give them something to eat? Well, they jump to the solution which we most often jump to. Their, their default position is, okay, let's see how much money we need to sort this out. And they, 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 they have the typical well-managed approach. Okay, what do you think, Peter? You know, if we sort of look at this section here, up to, that, up to the, the, the tree, there's about a thousand over there, and then there's the, all this crowd down here, down to the lake, there's probably about another two, and then there's this group here. What do you say? Give or take about, about 5,000 people. Okay, 5,000 people. Now, I saw on my way up here at the Capernaum Co-op, you can get a fish sandwich for 15 pounds. Okay, I'm sure a group discount will get it down to 10 pounds. 5,000, 10 pounds. Goodness me. 50,000 pounds for one lunch. I mean, we could employ another youth worker for that, couldn't we? Or two. I don't know how much you pay your youth workers, but um, a, typical, a typical sort of well-managed response. How much money do we need to fix this problem? And they fail the test. Let me ask you, what, what do you think would have been the answer that Jesus was looking for? I think it would have been something like, Jesus, this is beyond us, but um, we're willing to give it a try. I think that would have got a pass mark in the Galilee School of Discipleship 101 course. We, 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 we're willing to try. Um, won't you help us? So he, he gives them a second go. He gives them a, I don't know if you have this in this country, a supplementary exam when you can you know, write it again. And he says, okay, let's have another look at this. And, and he, he, he asks them a question. Jesus is a rabbi, 
okay, and rabbis teach by asking questions, because when we ask questions, it, it draws something out of the people that we're teaching. Questions are much more important than answers. Questions actually move us. Questions draw things out of us. I love, I love the story of the, um, the rabbi who was approached by one of his, um, his disciples, and, and he, he said, Rabbi, I've got, a, I've got a big question I want to ask. Uh, but I'm not sure if I'm allowed to ask it. And the rabbi said, you, you can ask any question. Of course you can ask questions. He said, no, but rabbi, this is, this is a big one. This is a really big one. I'm not sure if it's legitimate. He said, no, of course, ask, ask your question. So he said, rabbi, what is the meaning of life? And the rabbi said, that's a brilliant question. That's a wonderful question. Well done. And the disciple said, so what is the meaning of life? He says, that's such a good question. Why do you want to spoil it with an answer? <laughs> so Jesus asks a question here. And it's actually, it's actually a profound question. And the question is this. How many loads do you have? Go and see. How many loads do you have? Go and see. Now, we'll leave the go and see just for a moment. But he says, make an assessment of what you've got. What do you actually have on hand? Not, not what do you wish you had. Not what do you think you need to have. Not what has somebody else got that you can, you know, elicit. What have you got? What have you got? And we, when we're faced with a, a, a huge problem, you know, Joan, if you're dealing with volunteers, you know, I know, know this, this, this one, and you, sorry, Janet, you're dealing with, you know, you want volunteers, you want people to come and help, and all the rest of it. You say, oh, I wish I had this and this and this. What have you got? What have you got? Go and see. And, and the, the nuance behind those words, go and see, go is, is retreat, step back. You know what Paul and Allison are doing. Step back. Step back. And see, the nuance there is appreciate, value, um, cherish what, what you have. How many lows have you got? Go and see. Step back. Take an assessment of, of what you have. Because, you know, the other, the other approach, our first approach is how do we fix this with money? The second approach that we adopt is is this is just too big. This is too big. I, I'm opting out. I, I can't deal with this. You know, manual in, in faulty towers. You know, I've got nothing. Um, I've got nothing. This is too big for me. And, and Jesus says, no, go and see, appreciate and discern what you've got. And what happens? They bring it to Jesus, and he breaks it, and he distributes it, and he involves them in the miracle of feeding 5,000 people and saving 50,000 pounds on lunch with five loaves and two fish. And what's the object lesson? Well, the object lesson is, a very, is summed up in a very simple four-letter Greek word, gallo. 
No, I'm just kidding. Gallo is not a Greek word, but it, is, it does sum up what we want to learn. G-A-L-O. Go and appreciate what you've got. That's the A. Appreciate it. Go, step back, appreciate what you've got. Value it. It is valuable. Lay it, L, before Jesus. Allow him to break it. And then O, obey. Do what he tells you. That's the object lesson. Now, let me ask you this question. If you had been present amongst that crowd and you had seen this miracle, would you ever have doubted Jesus' ability to provide again? I see some heads nodding. Perhaps, perhaps you're being realistic here. Well, take heart, because the disciples didn't get it either. They didn't get it. What happens directly after this, as we go on in, in, in Mark's gospel, uh, as he gives us the narrative, is um, Jesus, uh, th there is the, uh, the storm that, that takes place on the lake. And the disciples are now in the middle of the storm, disoriented, it's the middle of the night. They are fearful and afraid. And Jesus comes walking across the water to them and says, take courage. Don't be afraid. It is I. This is in, in, in Mark chapter 6, um, verse 45, and moving on from there. And, and Mark adds, by way of commentary, on this incident of Jesus coming to the disciples in the middle of the lake. And remember, um, the, the, the commentators suggest to us that a lot of Mark's original material comes from Peter, that Peter was his source. And so this may well be Peter um, commenting on, on what had happened. And in verse 51, it says, he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down and they were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves because their hearts were hardened. Wow. I think that is an amazing bit of, of, of self-assessment, of prophetic insight that Peter has there. They didn't understand about the loaves because their hearts were hardened. And I just wonder, and I ask myself this question, if I am missing out on what God wants to do because of a hardened heart, because of a heart that just says, I just, I just can't feel this anymore. It's just too much for me. I'm going to withdraw. I'm, I'm going to pull down the shutters and, and, and ignore. And that cuts us off from the amazing work that God wants to do and involve us in. Their hearts were hardened, and so they didn't understand about the loaves. And then we move on to, to chapter 8, and we have the feeding of the 4,000. And there's a large crowd, and they've been listening to Jesus for three days, and they've not had anything to eat. And it says in, in chapter 8, verse 2, that Jesus has compassion on them because they are hungry. 
And he says in verse 3, if I send them away, and in brackets, we can add, that's the solution you guys came up with last time, remember? Um, They will collapse on the way. And you almost, have to, you almost have to laugh when you read the next verse. Because the disciples' response is, where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? Duh. Hey? Come on, guys. <laughs> um, it's only been a chapter and a half. Um, We're trying to grow you guys to understand God's supernatural intervention. We're trying to grow your faith. Now, do you remember? Do you remember large crowd? Do you remember remote place? Do you remember long teaching session? Hungry? Anything coming back to you at the moment? You know, is it ring any bells? Okay, my observation is this. Miracles don't have sticking power. Miracles do not have sticking power. They, they, they do build our faith, but it doesn't stick. We, we experience God's breakthrough, and we experience God's presence and intervention in our lives, but, but, we, but we forget so quickly. We forget so quickly. We, we had a, a, an, an amazing miracle of, of provision um, in, in, in Christchurch, the church I was leading a number of years ago, where we, we decided we weren't going to tell the congregation what the budget was. We were going to share with them the vision of where we wanted to go. And we said, this is the vision. This is where we want to go. This is what we want to do. And we had a, a whole time of praying into that, and we deliberately did not tell them how much it was going to cost. In fact, it was going to be a 20% increase in the parish budget that, that we would need. But we didn't tell them that. We said, guys, this is the vision. This is where we're going. And we had our, our prayer day. and We had our, our gift day when people brought their, their pledges, made their commitments. And, and I always remember the, the, the confidential pledge secretary lady, Denny, was, was totaling up the books, and, you know, doing all the sums and adding it up. And she, she, she contacted John, my colleague, and she said, John, it's, it's 6.71 million rand. Okay, now, what you need, to just, just knock off a naught and divide by two to get it into pounds, okay? Um, and, she, and she said, it's 6.71. And, and John said, yeah, I know, Denny, I know that, I know that. She said, no, 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 John, it's 6.71. He said, yes, no, Denny, I know, we know what the budget is. No, 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 John, that's how much has been pledged. 6.71 exactly, and there was actually about... 100,000 rand, um, which is not a great deal of money in that sort of scale, left over. And you know what? We're still struggling. <laughs> still battling to trust God. Still saying, well, I wonder if we get enough money in to pay the staff at the end of the month. We're still in that place. Miracles don't stick. So I really have two questions I want to ask you. And the first one you can respond uh, to by raising a hand. And, it's, and it is this. Have you experienced a miracle of God working in your life at some point? Okay, great. 
Now, let me ask you a second question, and you don't have to raise your hand. Do you think your quota of miracles has now been used up? <laughs> Let's not be too hard on these disciples, because their story is our story, isn't it? We get to that stage, we think, well, you know, we know God's provision. We know God acts. And, and, and yet we get to that place and we think, I wonder if you'll still come through. Okay, let's move on a little bit more in the story. We're not going to go through the whole of Mark's gospel, but let's just take one more incident. We, 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 we move on in, in chapter 8, and, and Jesus asks them the question, how many loaves do you have? That same question. And it's gallo all over again. Go, appreciate, lay it before Jesus and obey, and he feeds the, the 4,000. And so you say, okay, they've had it twice now. Do you think they would have got it? Do you think they, you know, they've seen the 5,000 fed, they've seen the 4,000 fed? Do you think they would have got it by the stage? No. They haven't got it yet. Because what happens after this is... Um, we go on in, into, into Mark, chapter, uh, Mark chapter 8, and the next thing that happens is they, they, the boat heads off to Dalmanutha, and that's where Jesus has an encounter with the Pharisees, and they want a sign. They want a miracle. They want to see something. And Jesus says, I'm sorry, you're not getting a sign, because signs don't work with you guys. They, you, you're not getting one. And then he, he gets into, into the boat with the disciples, and in chapter 8, verse 14, it says, the disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf that they had with them in the boat. And Jesus then starts to engage with them, and, and, and he's basically saying to them, I don't want you guys to be like the Pharisees, because they really don't get it. And, and, and these religious leaders, they don't get it, and you guys are going to be the leaders and I want you to get this. I want you to get that, that, that I provide and that I step in and that I, you know, that I do the supernatural intervention. That's what I do. And he says to them in verse 15, be careful, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and the Herods. He, he's trying to give them this object lesson. And, and they completely zoned out. They completely zoned out. And they are talking about their lunch. And, 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 and he, he, he says in verse 17, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see? Do you have ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember... When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basket pieces did you pick up? And they answered, seven. And he, then he said to them, do you still not understand? Do you still not understand? You see, they were stuck. They were stuck, and Jesus wanted to move them, and I believe Jesus wants to move us into a deeper place of trust and encounter with him. 
in the situations that come at us in life where we feel helpless, where we feel overcome, where we feel bewildered, where we want to like shift it onto somebody else's entry, where, where we want to try and sort it out with money, or where we just bail out and say, I've got nothing, I can't do anything. I think that's where Jesus wants to come and encounter us and move us. And they were stuck. And I believe that what Jesus wants to do is to take the things that keep us stuck and like that bread, break it. And, and as I reflect on this, this, bit of, this bit of scripture and these, the journey that Jesus is taking these disciples on, I think there are a few things that he wants to break in us. And these may resonate with you. I think he wants to break in us pride and self-reliance. The belief that we can sort this out, that we've got what it takes. I mean, we, we're bright, we're intelligent, we've got resources, we've got good education, we're good at organizing things, you know, we can sort this out. And I believe Jesus wants to break that. I think that, that Jesus also wants to break in us the belief that there's a formula, that, that we can just manage this well and then it'll all work out okay. Plug this in and you get that result. And, and if you look at the arithmetic here, there's no formula. You know, it's five loaves feed 5,000 and there's 12 basketfuls left over and seven loaves feed 4,000 and there's seven basketfuls left over. There isn't a formula. And I believe that Jesus also wants to break the tendency us, tendency us to, to try and shift this onto other people and say this is their problem, let them go and sort it out. And I think that Jesus also wants to break in us the belief that our quota of miracles has been used, used up. Oh, I think he wants to take that away. And I think he also wants to break with, within us the problem, the belief that the problem we're facing is bigger than God, and that God can't handle this, whatever it is. So I just want to lead us just in a, in, in just a short time of prayer and then um, Claudia's going to lead us and we're going to sing that song, Everyone Needs Compassion, because that's what's at the heart of this, is the compassion that Jesus had for the crowd. Um, so won't you just close your eyes and, 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 let's, and let's just do business with God just in a very, in a very short moment. And, and as we are conscious of our pride, our ability to sort things out, our reliance on, on our resources, our budget, our good organizing skills, let's appreciate those like, like the bread. Let's appreciate what we have. But now let's lay it before Jesus and allow him to break it. And instead of pride and reliance, let's replace that with humility and trust.
And then let's take our hard-heartedness, those, that tendency just to protect our hearts from, from the pain and, and the suffering and the injustices and, and the things that, that come crowding in. And, and, and let's, let's ask Jesus to, to break our hearts with what breaks His. When Jesus saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Grant us, Lord, that, that, that compassion that you had as you looked at the crowd, as you saw them, may we see with your eyes. And there may be there some here this morning who, who feel that their quota of miracles has been used up. Let's, let's ask God just to, to break that belief and, and to replace it with the trust that our God, our Father, loves to give good things to His children and His love never ends. We sing that song, His love never ends, never gives up, never runs out on me. His love never ends, never gives up, never runs out on me. His love never ends, never gives up, never runs out on me. So come, spirits, fall, fall on us. Give us that heart of compassion. We all need it. We all need compassion. And we need to know your compassion this morning so that we will be those who can respond. We can respond as, as, you, as you love to see your disciples respond to the needs that come around for, for hungry people to be fed, for, for homeless people to be given shelter, for, for injustices to be in, dealt with, for for the lost to be brought home, for the gospel to be brought to those who are enslaved um, in whatever keeps them captive, whatever robs them of the fullness of life that is your plan for us all, that we might, that we might be the sons and daughters of the Most High God and live in the, in, in the abundance of the reality of being your children. So let's stand as we, as we sing uh, together. Thanks, Claudia. Say
nation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the Right, nothing's happening. Sorry, I thought I was. Sorry, I do apologise. I didn't realise you could see it and I can't. Never mind. It feels very appropriate in the light of what God's been saying to us this morning through Duncan that we should now come to communion and receive together the broken bread and the wine outpoured. So as we come now to communion, we remind ourselves in that wonderful, glorious truth that the Lord is here. His Spirit is with us. So lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. So let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give thanks and praise. It is right to praise you, Father, Lord of all creation. In your love you made us for yourself. When we turned away, you did not reject us, but came to meet us 